2: Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellassi. And before we even get into it today, I got an announcement because it's the holidays. Tis the season of giving and I am feeling generous. So I am giving you a live show, a virtual live show, December 21st, Monday night. As of this recording, it's next Monday. If you're listening in the future after December 21st, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, okay? I'm not magician. I can't, I can't reverse time. You missed it. But if you're listening before December 21st, it's coming and you can join. It's a virtual live show and it's called Are You the Worst? The Game Show. That's right. It's a made up virtual game show where you, the viewer, will get to play along with me to determine just how much of a hot mess you really are. Basically, I invented a game show to convince everybody else that they're just as big of a piece of shit as I am. So get your tickets. You can get tickets at mattbelliside.com/slash live or at the link in our show notes. I'll put it on Instagram and Twitter if you're really lazy and you just want to go there. There's also going to be a virtual meet and greet after the show. Basically, it's like a one-on-one video call with me that you can get with your with your ticket. It's a it's part of the VIP package, bitch. Okay? So get that, get your tickets. It's going to be so fun. It's holiday themed perfect gift to enjoy with your friends. Do it. Okay? I'm here in my childhood bedroom, recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry.
3: Hi, Matt. I'm still at my parents' house, too. I'm in their closet, but you can't really tell if you're watching on video because there's a beautiful Hanukkah tablecloth behind me. You know why? Because it's Hanukkah. (laughs) Happy Hanukkah, Matt. Happy Hanukkah, world.
2: Uh, You know what? I'll allow it. Happy Hanukkah. Even though, don't tell me if I'm going to Starbucks That I'm going to get a cup that says Happy Hanukkah on it. Uh, This is Christmas. (laughs) Oh, you're telling me I'm going to go to Starbucks and and, and get a Happy Hanukkah cup? No. I want Mrs. Claus's wet-ass pussy on my Starbucks card.
3: Paint it on.
2: Yeah, I love people getting absolutely red-faced mad over Starbucks cups. Anyway, happy Hanukkah.
3: Oh, thank you so much.
2: (laughs) We got eight days of Hanukkah to get through, and we got this episode to get through. What's happening on today's episode? Well, we're going to kick things off, as always, with Worst Things First, where I shout about the stupidest, most ridiculous, worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into elves. Whoa. Because, yeah, Buddy the Elf might have been a nice kind of break From the elfish tradition, but guess what? Most elves are pieces of shit. And I'm sick of them getting the attention that they think they deserve around Christmas time. Elves are horrible little freaks, and I'm gonna expose them. And finally, we have actress and comedian Mary Holland on the pod as our guest complainer. Mary is the co writer of the queer holiday rom com Happiest Season, and she starred in it as Jane. TBH one of my favorite parts of the whole movie, Jane, scene stealer. So let's get into it, let's do it, let's start the show! Alright, worst things first, let's talk about the worst news of the week. First... Police in Peru, and I know what you're thinking. Oh, Peru must be a country.
3: We're covering international
2: news. Yeah, we're going international today all the way to Peru, Illinois. Because it is a sick fetish of of states in the Midwest to name their shitty cities after other (laughs) countries just to feel like they didn't grow up in a cornfield. And I say that with all of the malice in my heart because that is where I am right now. And that is where I was raised. And I'm allowed to say that you have to be corn bread in order to make fun of the Midwest. Corn bread, corn fed. And guess what? This blood runs yellow. Okay, (laughs) this this blood runs yellow and white corn colors, even though sometimes they have blue tortillas, which is just confusing. Where are the blue corns? So what happened in Peru? Yeah, we haven't even gotten to the story. So, police in Peru, uh, Illinois, were joined by firefighters, some residents. Basically, it took a whole village uh, on a two-hour long pursuit to capture a runaway wallaroo. What the heck is a wallaroo? And I know what you're thinking. What the (laughs) heck? is a wallaroo because Australia is out here just making up animals at this point.
3: Can I guess? Is it a combo of a walrus and a kangaroo? Yes. Wow.
2: It's got one fat tail. (laughs) It's got two flippers. It's got a pouch. It's got two giant tusks. It has the muscles of a Ecuadorian MMA fighter. Okay. And uh, it'll beat your ass if it gets a hold of you. And that's why it took them two hours and an entire army of people to capture this wallaroo. No, a wallaroo is native to Australia. It is larger than a wallaby and smaller than a kangaroo.
3: Okay. I don't know how to conceptualize (laughs) either of those animals. So right now it's like at my waist is what I'm thinking.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how big a wallaby is. I don't even entirely know what a wallaby is, <laughs> or a kangaroo, but also they have these two—you know—a kangaroo and a wallaby. A wallaroo is neither of them, and yet they name this animal based on its relative size to these other two. This could be anything.
3: <laughs> is it, it cute? It could literally be anything. That's all I care about. Isn't cute? What if
2: I'm in between a, a kangaroo and a wallaby? <laughs> Does that mean I'm legally a wallaroo? Yes. We could all be wallaroos. That's what
3: you have to check on the census.
2: Wallaroo. I don't know. I think it. It's. It's more like a kangaroo. It's like a smaller kangaroo.
3: Oh yeah, it looks like a little kangaroo. It's cute.
2: Anyway, you want to know what the genius is over over over, over at this this place that owned owned this wallaroo named him?
3: Yeah. Did they name him OJ? Because <laughs> of that long pursuit.
2: <laughs> yeah. I didn't even mention the white Bronco that he was driving, <laughs> and that, that that is why it took them two hours to get him. There was helicopters chasing him. Anyway, they named him Wally, Ugh. because invention is dead. Everyone is like, we're 10 months into this goddamn pandemic. I'm not going to use my brain to name my wal- Walru something clever like Clarice. <laughs> Or Stefania. Mm. So they named him Wally. And then he ran away because he was like, this place sucks because they gave me a stupid ass name. And then eventually he made his way into a river. And then these two people were like, he's the dog. The dog is right there. And the police were like, it's not a dog, you dumb asses. <laughs> you, have you seen a dog that looks like this running on two legs? That also has an, a, a uterus outside with a pouch? <laughs> because the, I'm pretty sure that's what a marsupial is. This has been Science with Matt. And then they caught him and they found its owner. And it turns out he has a permit to own it because who knows? It's Peru, Illinois, and there are no rules. Who gives
3: out those permits? It took my sister and brother-in-law so long to get a permit to remodel their house. And yet these people get permits for owning a Wallaroo. Why?
2: Yeah, I don't even know why. I, I feel like this is one of the... My mom would always make up excuses as to why we couldn't get certain pets. And one of them was, that oh, you need a permit for that. And I was like, okay, Debbie.
3: You should get her a wallaroo for Christmas.
2: Maybe I will. And then I'll say, this is for all the years you said I couldn't get a guinea pig. Have fun taking care of this wallaroo. Because I won't anymore. Don't even get me started. The dog bit her the other day and we haven't <gasps> heard the end of it.
3: <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God.
2: Uh, <laughs> separate story. Anyway, next the airline easy jet which sounds like uh i don't know douche
3: <laughs> yeah a douche a laxative something i don't want to fly in yeah for
2: sure i go on a date and they're like hey you want to go home and i was i have to be like no i have an easy jetted today <laughs> anyway that's just a peek into the, the life of my asshole yeah <laughs> The airline EasyJet, which is not a real airline, teamed up with the delivery service Deliveroo. I feel like I'm what? going
1: insane.
2: <laughs> what are these names? To bring in-flight trolley service directly to people's homes, including their in-flight drink service as well as in-flight snacks.
3: What is people's obsession with eating the food on airlines? Like and wanting that experience not on an airplane? The only yeah. reason that shit tastes good is because you are very high up in the sky.
2: Right. I don't understand what people are like. I mean, yeah, they had the the director of cabin services at EasyJet. They said, as much as our customers have missed flying in recent months, our cabin crew have missed doing what they love to do best, serving our customers First of all, I'll guarantee you, no flight attendant misses being a flight attendant right now. <laughs> I'm sure you miss your paycheck. We'll not, will not deny you that. And the but thrill of But do you flying. miss dealing with piece of shits? No. Nobody misses the experience of flying. You miss going places and getting there. And if you do miss the experience of flying, you're a, a sick freak. And finally, a whole bunch of black vultures are roosting on roofs, and in trees in one Pennsylvania town. And the people who live there are not happy about it.
3: I would not be happy about that either. That sounds terrifying. I haven't seen the entire movie Birds, but I have seen the last scene, and that shit's terrifying.
2: Yeah, vultures, I think, are like monsters in their own right. Like, all birds are scary. Yeah, they're huge. And I think the the film... Birds is about like the tiny birds that end up being scary. But vultures are like a full blown like Mm -hmm. alien monster in their own right. Yeah. The point is birds are scary enough, but vultures are absolutely terrifying. And apparently they're all terrorizing this small Pennsylvania town. Um, The birds, uh, these vultures, which can have wingspans of up to five feet are far protected, too large. yeah, far, far too big for any animal with wings. That's the dino, that is a pterodactyl with a silent pee, and I don't like it. Why don't you own your pee, you weird ass, pointy ass head, uh, uh, f- fucking pinhead ass bitch? Vultures, I guess, are protected under federal laws, so people can't just go outside in Pennsylvania and shoot their slingshots at them. You have to respect them because they're because of the law.
3: Why? Because they like pick up the roadkill?
2: I don't know. But yeah, these people are freaking out. The birds are just pecking their shit all apart, they're te- tearing apart porch furniture and garbage cans. I've been in the suburbs now for 2 weeks, 3 weeks almost. Oh my god. Oh my yeah. life.
3: <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know how we're doing it.
2: <laughs> and what I'm learning is that It takes almost nothing to set these people off. (laughs) People get upset in the suburbs for nothing. Our neighbors apparently are crazies. And someone pulled in their driveway to turn around. That is like a thing where people are like, do not pull in my driveway even to turn around or I'll call the police.
3: Yeah, people hate that. Also, you know what's really ruining the suburbs? The app Nextdoor. Apparently, my dad was sitting outside of one of his friend's houses, like doing paperwork for like 10 minutes, engine running Uh in like a nice neighborhood. Um, And when he like finally saw his friend, the guy was like, man, all over next door, there's people being like, should we call the police? There's a car just outside (laughs) that we don't know. Like what? Uh, chill out are you really just like standing by your window peering out behind the blind seeing if anything is wrong it's just ridiculous yeah
2: that's what people do and it's sick
3: yeah which is why i want to say i don't mean to victim blame but if you've got a flock of vultures around there's probably some sort of karma situation happening here
2: it's called an omen and you need to (laughs) make peace with your god because the end is coming for you And that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we're diving deep into the little bitches that are elves. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Well. It's Santa time, which means Mr. Kringle is up there in the middle of the Arctic, just jerking off to grandma porn because that's what he does. I've seen Mrs. Claus. I know what that freak is into. Well, he's just wasting his time while an army of hairless, pointy eared little goblins do all of his work for him. Because, yeah, we all know that Santa is just a glorified pizza delivery boy. (laughs) And, and his elves do all the work, but even though the elves are the ones who are getting their hands dirty and coloring in all of the dick veins on all of the dildos that Santa's bringing to me, I don't trust them. I don't want this podcast to be anti-worker, but elves are terrifying little monsters, and I think it's time we got rid of them entirely. So today, I'm getting into why elves are The worst. <laughs> first of all what are elves even okay are they tall and hot and and uh, have long iron pressed pubes like legolas
3: uh my first boyfriend
2: or are they small and stocky and chubby and work in trees for some reason or do they make shoes do they make cookies in those trees or rice cereal some of them do apparently i just feel like we as a society need to come together and decide what the heck these little shits are making Next, what the fuck is with their tiny ass pointy shoes? <laughs> There's no good ergonomic reason for your shoes to be pointed besides wasting my fucking time. Why are there bells on them too? So I, I, I know where, when you're coming, like you're a horny house cat, just jingle janging your way around the North Pole. There's no reason that they have to be that festive. Absolutely no reason at all. And their
3: pointy hats? It's a lot. It's a lot.
2: They're very thinly disguising those pointy hats.
3: I wasn't going to say it.
2: Well, I will. White supremacists. All <laughs> elves. T- t- to be honest, every elf outfit is the outfit of someone just asking to get punched in the face. They're with their, their pointy musical shoes. They're tights that they just wear constantly, even though they live in the North Pole.
3: Those can't be warm. They should be in full snowsuits.
2: There's no way that Santa doesn't have them neutered, because if you're walking around with your dick out, basically, between there's nothing between your dick and the temperatures of the Arctic, except a tiny, thin piece of tights fabric, there's something wrong with you. There's something anatomically wrong with you.
3: Although I do keep getting in arguments with Alex about the fact that dogs' temperatures are higher than humans. And he's always like, oh, the dogs are so warm. Is something wrong? And it's like, no, they just run hotter. Maybe elves run hotter.
2: Maybe. We got one of those pointer um, temperature guns, Uh thermometers. Yeah. And my mom said I wasn't allowed to point it at the dog. (laughs) Even though that's what it's for. (laughs) what else are you supposed to do with a new thing except test it on the dog yeah no so i'll never know how hot she is even though it said my temperature was like 92 degrees so there's something wrong with that (laughs) (laughs) also they wear vests nothing good has ever been done by anybody wearing a vest
3: i am strictly anti-vest because my arms do not have enough circulation for me to not have sleeves if I'm cold. I just don't under... Like, I have worn vests. It's not like I haven't. I am from a cold place. I have tried them out. They don't keep me warm. Just keeping my torso warm does not magically make my arms warm. Yeah. That's not how it works.
2: There's no good reason ever for a vest. No. There's no situation in which I need my arms to be that free and I need my my titties and my stomach to be that puffy. Guess what? That's my warmest part, my center. I'm like a a lava cake in that way. And a vest is doing nothing. So frankly, anybody walking around with a vest is walking around with a lie. And that's why I don't trust any elves. A vest is the garment of snitches and snakes. Wow. Next, how are elves magic and yet they're stuck being laborers? That's how I know they're sick. This is like the same people who are like, oh, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. You know what I would love to do? Nothing. That's all I want to do. That's just people who are who are trying to get me to roll over and go belly up for the man, for the capitalist man. And I won't do it. This podcast is anti-work.
3: They're probably not even unionized because, you know, Santa wouldn't allow that shit.
2: Yeah. Santa is a union buster, but I don't even think elves have what it's uh, elves are probably like, oh, this is what's good for us. They don't even have the balls to stand up and say, hey, we're going to we're going to band together to overtake this monster. I'm telling you that, to have some courage, elves, and, and stop being such simps. <laughs> All they do is walk around and do whatever they're asked. Why don't you think for yourself do, have you ever thought about maybe enjoying any of those toys that you're out there making, spending your life making? No, they don't, because they 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 get joy out of working and supporting some old white man with a beard. It's fucked up. If you ever see me working for someone with a beard, I want you to shoot me in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I've given up. Next, Elf on a Shelf. Let's get into it. This bitch. Elf on a shelf is just a mean little twink who needs to keep his sweet little lips shut before I burn off his volumized eyelashes because he is up there with that eyelash little wand just doing his his lashes and they look ridiculous he's always just sitting there with his red ass puffy ass cheeks go home go home you peeping little snitch ass little bitch Twig ass looking chubby cheek ass fucking red leotard wearing Twizzler dick bitch. I'm so sick of that little smooth asshole pointy hatted secret agent ass weasel sitting on my shelf judging what I do when he for sure has gotten a baby carrot stuck up his ass before. For sure. He's
3: asked for it.
2: He asked someone to insert a baby carrot into his asshole and then he had to go to the doctor and say I got this baby carrot stuck up my ass. Get it out. And then he had to sit there and waste valuable, essential medical worker time for that nurse to come in with a giant pair of medical tweezers. What do they call the thing that opens you? Oh, a speculose. I call it a duck. They have to take the speculose, put it up the elf on the shelf's asshole and then open it gaping wide so that the baby care will fall out.
3: That's who you're inviting into your house every single christmas to watch over you
2: so yeah this bitch needs to take his little drugstore blush and his little drugstore eyebrow pencil and get the fuck out of my house
3: and you know he's working for amazon
2: yeah he has jeff bezos's name written right across his ball sack oh he is
3: spying on all of us yeah
2: that man is kept by mr bezos
3: I don't understand how a child could enjoy Elf on a Shelf and not be terrified by it.
2: I think that's the point. The point is to scare them and do give a personification of terror.
3: Why? That's not fun. We already have Santa putting a, you on a neither nice or naughty list. And now why is Christmas suddenly a terror? Why is it becoming Halloween? It's a fine line between Elf on a Shelf and Chucky to me. Yeah. He's closer to Chucky than he is to Toy Story as far as live toys go. Right.
2: Part of elf on a shelf is that yeah you, he hits like he moves around every day and he's in a different position doing making Nuh-uh. mischief Mm-mm. He spills the sugar and then like makes makes little angels in the sugar some shit like that like he's supposed to be watching the children and seeing whether they're naughty or nice and then he's out here making a mess in my kitchen
3: it it, it doesn't track. once you think that one inanimate object is alive, it's a slippery slope thinking about all the other inanimate objects in your life that could be alive and watching you. I definitely put a couple photographs down when I was a kid, thinking that they were there looking at me.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fair. That's why I don't have any family pictures in my bedroom <laughs> or apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Next. How come elves are always making, like, wooden trucks and ragdolls? Why are elves stuck in, like, the 1950s?
3: No one's asking for that.
2: Like, we need to be training our elves to be making something like portable DVD players.
3: Okay, what, uh, what era are you in?
2: 2000, the year. <laughs> are, are we need to be making Snow Day DVDs slash Blu-rays. We need to be making um, those little uh, robot dogs. Oh, yes. That have the LED light eyes.
3: Elves should be making Tamagotchis.
2: Pokemon cards. Yes. Um, uh, uh, Harry Potter. Um, Lego sets. Bernie bot every flavored beans. Yes. All of the above. And yet we're training our elves to do shit to make Tinker Toys. I hated Tinker Toys. No, I like Tinker Toys. I didn't like Lincoln Logs. They always smelled like wood.
3: Yeah, they also—you really could only build a house with them. And it's like I don't. Yeah, know.
2: This Civil War propaganda that we're giving to children. Here, let me do, yeah. let me build some barracks for my for my Union soldiers. <laughs> and finally, what's with their pointy ears? Oh, why is it so you can keep our secrets up there, you evil douches?
3: It's like their little antennas.
2: Yeah, this is why I don't trust elves. Because there's no reason that you need all of that extra cartilage. We should be chopping that off.
3: And if you had all that extra cartilage, why would you not be decorating it with lots and lots of beautiful earrings? Yeah. You put bells everywhere else on your body, but not on the one place where you have more cartilage than anywhere else.
2: If you think if I'm an elf and and I have a pointy ear with all that extra cartilage, if you think day one, I'm not walking my ass into a Claire's,
3: Having a 15-year-old stab you with a gun?
2: Yeah, with a little toy gun that probably has never been sterilized ever in my life. Just shooting me up with holes so that I can put studs. Hoops. I could put little gems. Those little SpongeBob pins from Hot Topic. I'll do it. But no, no elf has ever done that ever. And I'm sick of hearing about their dumbass struggle Oh, we're just helping Santa. We're so good. We just walk around with the rosy-ass cheeks and do our jobs. Shut up. Unionize. Overthrow Santa. And then maybe I'll take you seriously. Bitch-ass fucks. Merry Christmas. And that's it for this week's Deep Dive. I hope all of the elves were listening. Because now you know my true feelings. All right. Next up, we got Mary Holland on the pod right after this commercial break.
4: You can listen to the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
2: My guest complainer today is writer and actor Mary Holland. She's co-written the most anticipated holiday movie of 2020, if I say so myself, Happiest Season, starring Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Dan Levy. I mean, literally everybody, including Mary. Uh, Also directed and co-written by Clea Duvall. Mary, thank you for this gift of a film you have given us. And welcome.
5: Thank you. Oh, what a what an intro.
2: You know, I try. I try on this show.
5: <laughs> it's great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here.
2: Of course. Well, we like to get our complaining juices going by asking, <laughs> what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves?
5: I thought long and hard about this because... I mean, there are so many things that I hate, but other people do seem to hate them as well. But one thing that that I did that occurred to me, actually, just before we started recording was the the sense I get from the general population is that people really love to journal. Uh And I really hate it. (laughs) (laughs) And I say it.
2: (laughs) That is true. I mean, controversial, really coming in hot with with a hot take. (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> That's me, baby. I'm I'm nothing but controversy. Um, right.
2: You. This is your canceled <laughs> moment. i Mary Holland. Done.
5: <laughs> oh no. Um. To clarify, I think the purpose of journaling and the spirit of it, I'm all for. I love it. I think it's so great. Mm-hmm. I think having an outlet where you can really self reflect and express and like keep records of like what you're experiencing or feeling, I think is so great. The thing that I I just I. I personally hate about journaling is I actually, and I don't know if this is because I'm, I'm so now used to, um, the phone and computers and things, but I cannot bear writing for very long, like physically <laughs> writing. I like, yeah. I get really like, I'm like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Like it takes me so long to write a single word. <laughs> right <laughs> it takes me so long where where the words are the thoughts are occurring in my head at a pace that my hand is not able to keep up with and that's what's frustrating to me about journaling
2: yeah I used to like take such pride in my handwriting and my ability to like write long long hand and it, it, that has fallen way off <sighs> yeah yeah so long ago I know. It's one of those things that, like, once it's gone, there's no getting it back. I wish I was someone who could who who could be kind of comforted by journaling. That you and know, that's it, the
5: other thing is I'm not comforted. By
2: it. Right. Yeah. It would be so. It's one of those things that like the people who believe in it really believe in it, and I I want it to work.
5: Yeah, I agree with you. I I have people in my life who really, who, where it is a ritual, it's like part of their routine and part of the way they experience self care. And to me, I, I just, I'm also just not in the habit of, um, not that, not that you have to do this. I mean, you just express yourself, but it, it, when I try to do it, it sounds to me like I'm talking to myself, like I'm like Uh narrating thoughts, to myself instead of just recording the thoughts that I'm having, if that makes sense. Right.
2: Yeah. I've always found it strange. And maybe this is like, there is some impulse of if you're, if you're used to performing on a stage in front of an audience, it's strange, not it's strange to like write or do something with no intended audience in mind. Yeah. I find that weird. (laughs)
5: Yeah. I got to know who I'm playing to here.
2: Right. Um,
5: that's going to help me shape the jokes. It's going to help me, you know.
2: Uh, How can I pick a personality if I don't know who my audience is going to be?
5: It's Oh my god. That's that's very real. That is that I can really <laughs> relate to. I've and I've tried so many times. I'm like this is this will be the the time that I do start journaling. And then I, it just does not
2: come naturally. No, yeah, the number of like moleskin <laughs> notebooks that I know because they're have so nice. They're so <laughs> nice.
5: They like look so nice and they feel so nice. And the idea is so nice, but
2: right. <laughs> I was kind of fascinated though because you are one of those people who don't uh, you. You are like inactive is not the right word, but like you're not. You're not like. On Twitter, it seems like all of the time.
5: No, I am not active on Twitter.
2: <laughs> Which feels like a good thing overall.
5: <laughs> I, have, I like
2: for a writer.
5: Right. I mean, I I Twitter I find so mysterious and intimidating. And I also like I get so worried that is my thought that I'm thinking about tweeting. Does anybody wanna hear this? And and if so, why why am I putting why am I does anybody want me to contribute to this conversation? And then also like just from a grammatic standpoint, um, or a grammar standpoint, look, there it is, grammatic standpoint. Um <laughs> honestly <laughs>
2: grammatic sounds great. <graying.
5: laughs> okay, great. Let's use it. Um it, like grammatically, I get so in my head of like do I know what the word expansion means? And I will like (laughs) Google expansion to make sure. I mean, I think I know what it means, but I I should Google it to make sure that that I know what that word means. And so I just get so mired in like analyzing every aspect of tweeting. And I I also just those kind of quick jokes. They just don't (laughs) occur to me. (laughs) Right. To be honest. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I mean, I think that there is a direct correlation between people who are less active on on Twitter and who are better writers in real life, because <laughs> it's like that part of it just like kills the part of your brain that is good at writing.
5: Think, do you think?
2: I my I mean, I'm projecting, obviously, <laughs> but like, yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> It's also strange. I mean, like, there's also just the act of being on Twitter that is like you're you're walking into a, a circus and trying to get people's <laughs> attention. <laughs> it's like I was just thinking of this last night about like, it is so strange to me that I go on the same app and like tweet stuff about a, a boy not liking me back on the same app that like Donald Trump is is literally <laughs> like, I mean, launching nukes. <sighs>
5: It is so <laughs> bananas. It it really, yeah. I haven't seen that documentary, the um social dilemma. I'm almost scared to watch it. Because... Yeah,
2: I I recommend it cautiously. Okay, if you're if you're in the right headspace for it.
5: Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. That's good to know.
2: Yeah, the other thing that we were talking about that re- reminded me is like there is so much, uh Grief, but also I i feel like the kind of weight of everything, again, this is me projecting, but I feel like I it manifests in me in being pissed off at the smallest possible things where it's like my anger over this one tiny thing is probably about more than just my anger about this one tiny thing, but also I'm ready to, to fucking lose it over this. Um, so I wonder if there are any, like, what is the smallest thing that you have gotten like that you've kind of lost your your shit over in the past year.
5: Oh my gosh! Well, here's the thing: you got to know about me. I'm not very in touch with my rage. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> Allow me to awaken it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is if, if I accomplish anything today. <laughs> it is I, it is getting your angry side out.
5: My my therapist would be thrilled to hear it. Um, yeah, I I experience anger and rage as like a sort of. An annoyance, an irritation that begins to glow with a, with a, uh, like a powerful crystal. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's much less like, I've never lost my shit necessarily. Like I've never like screamed at something. That's not true. That, that is not true. But, but it's not like, it's not how I express my anger. It's more of a, it's more of an inward like burn. And there have been so many things. I mean there's there's so much to be angry about. I mean, <laughs> one thing that I, I, I don't know if you've also experienced this, but I'm I'm there's a lot of like home organization shows out there that uh-huh. that make organizing look so easy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they really they really try to put forth a a, a lifestyle and make it seem like it's attainable.
5: And Let me tell you something. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) We live in a very small place, and I have. I feel like I've gotten rid of so many things, and I'm still tripping over things. Like we we have like bags of things on the floor, and I can't. I can't. I have no system in place of organizing, but then then also like it feels impossible to make that system. So it that that just when I walk into a room and I see how everything is just sort of everything, everything occupies a space of its own and is not at all categorized. (laughs) And it's just like flung about and there's no rhyme or reason to it. When I walk into a room that's like that, um, I burn inwardly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I burn. It's. It seems like a healthy, uh, a healthy reaction.
5: <laughs> yeah, I mean clutter. I never felt this way growing up, but uh, the the older I get, the more I'm like, whoa! It really does affect my brain. Like if I can, yeah. like, think clearly. I
2: certainly relate to that. That I, I mean, especially because we're all trapped inside for the most part. Mm-hmm. Where it's like I don't know <laughs> every tiny thing that I see around my apartment. My thing today has been clutter, yes, but also I've been having some radiator uh, clanging issues and I'm ready to go full Incredible Hulk and and start ripping some pipes out of the wall.
5: Nothing will get me more upset than a rhythmic noise. (laughs) Like a a predictable rhythmic noise, like the sound of a clock, for example. Mm -hmm. That really can like... I think some people can find that soothing and I have found it soothing sometimes in the right context, but, but mostly I'm just like listening for the next tick. Like I'm not able right. to like tune it out or like relax to it.
2: I I am the same way in, I don't know, maybe it's something deep. It's psychological. I, my, my dad collects clocks. And so every really,
5: Oh, that's so funny.
2: It's like, but it's funny, but also like he could be a serial killer. (laughs) It's one (laughs) of those hobbies. That's like, there's a fine line between, (laughs) oh, that's, that's nice. That's cute. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What's really going on here? Yeah. But every 15 minutes in our, in our house, it's like chimes, gongs, things start making noises. So every time I go home for, for like the holidays, my childhood bedroom has been like, there's all these clocks on display that I have to unplug because I'm like, I will not be able to sleep if I can hear this shit. Yeah,
5: yeah, exactly. It, yeah, that kind of that kind of rhythmic thing. And and then also we have so much roadwork happening on our street. And so that is. uh and they get, they get started very early in the morning, which is a real delight.
2: <laughs> yeah. No graceful transition. Let's talk about the happiest season.
1: Okay, great.
2: So you co-wrote this. Yes. Yeah. Give, give us the, the elevator pitch.
5: So the elevator pitch. We're in an elevator. Yes. I'm going to the 12th floor. Where are you going?
2: I repent house always
5: Wow okay okay so we got, uh, we, we, a, we I don't got have a good time. amount of time okay.
2: <laughs> it's We're only on the, the 16th per- floor
5: that's right <laughs> oh I see. I see it's a short
2: that's building
5: right. Dang. okay great so the story of happiest season is um, the story of a couple Abby and Harper two women who are very much in love and a happy relationship and it's the holidays, and Harper invites Abby to come home with her to spend the holidays with Harper's family. On the way there, Harper reveals to Abby that she actually hasn't come out to her family yet. And so if it's possible, if, if they can just for the next few days pretend to not be together, then once the holidays are over, Harper will come out to her family. And Abby agrees to go along with that. And
2: that's the premise of the movie. Right. It's a very cute movie. I just watched it. Oh, good. It's uh yeah, it's nice to have some good family drama in a in a <laughs> <Yeah>. holiday movie.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just getting ready. Oh, for sure. Just just preparing yourself. Um yeah, it is it, it is a movie that I think, you know, it's important to Clea and I to make it funny, to make it really Funny and yet still super grounded and relatable and something that, you know, I, going home for the holidays is, um, is emotional <laughs> uh, in many ways. And it's the idea we're exploring here of like this, this very well-known genre of a Christmas romantic comedy that um, mm-hmm. there's so many movies that are exist in this genre, but um, none of them feature a queer couple in this way and you know i've, I've heard clea talk about this a lot and i, I just think it's such a, a beautiful way to put it it's, it is a universal story and it's told through a, a new perspective um and and one a story that's very bright and happy and um warm
2: right yeah, I mean, obviously, I probably self-select. You know, if, when I log on to any of these streaming apps and they show me a, a half-naked man Christmas movie, I'm like, okay, we're watching this Hallmark one. Um, but it did feel like that. Like, I cannot recall a movie, um, certainly not a holiday movie, that had a couple that was two women at yeah. the at the lead.
5: Yeah, yeah. It. I think it. It. It is new. I mean, it's. It's. It's taking this really well known genre and doing something new with it. But then it's also like, well, hopefully this I mean it's you you hear this idea of like a um a holiday movie about a, a queer couple and you think like, well, why haven't we seen that before? And I, I completely agree with that, which is these stories should already be being told. Like this shouldn't be so Mm -hmm. groundbreaking, but, and hopefully like there, there will be so many more after this and all, all different queer stories and all different genres. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's new in the genre.
2: Right. But also, like you said, I mean, there is that element of these, these stories are universal, and and everybody has everybody has family drama, and going home for the holidays is always emotional, especially this year. If people are even going home,
5: right?
2: So if if they're not, that they can they can live out some some family drama right yeah, on their own TVs.
5: That's right. Just tune right into Hulu, and you can get all the family <laughs> drama you crave.
2: <laughs> You're afraid of missing out. Yeah. <laughs> Fear no longer. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, is that informed at all by your own uh, kind of experience? Is there did you bring any of your own kind of holiday holiday drama to it?
5: Oh, absolutely. Um, I have uh, a sister that I'm very close to, and the sibling dynamic, you know, I think is so fast, endlessly fascinating. I love my sister so much, and at the same time, like gotten into some of the worst physical fights with her. <laughs> <laughs> and emotional fights with her that that I have with anybody in my life and i I think that's because there's this unconditional love between us, and then there's also the these feel there like old ancient feelings that get sort of provoked <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. when we come back together, especially in the roof under the roof that we grew up in, like you fall back into those old patterns and and dynamics, and so that that was something we I definitely like um to from you know my personal uh experiences of of what that dynamic is like of like reverting back to your teenage self um mm-hmm. yeah and how that affects everybody around you
2: i am i'm always shocked by how quickly i i regress when i am <laughs> it's back home
5: alarming i agree <laughs> i feel the same way i really become i really become a 15 year old version of myself <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I'm like, there's no, I won't shower for like a week. <laughs> there's no way I'm cooking anything. No sleeping till
5: noon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Bowls of cereal all day long. I mean, it's yeah. a, a whole lot different than how I live my life. But it feels like the excuse, any excuse that I have otherwise is out the window. Yeah. <laughs> we can kind of get into we we call this elaborate um a, a segment where we kind of ha- we'll have you elaborate on some things that you either hate or <laughs> you I I think you gave us a, a a list of some topics I
5: did yeah
2: so let's go through them mid-rise let's do it. jeans
5: okay mid-rise jeans listen if you are somebody who loves mid-rise jeans and wears them i think that i think you're amazing mid-rise jeans to me with personally, with my particular body make no sense. I find that they, they don't like rest easy on my hips, which I think is how they're, what they're designed to do. They, they cut into my hips in a way that makes me feel like, like I'm not one whole body. I am two sections of a body. <laughs> if that's, if
2: that's, yeah.
5: One section is, is just legs. And the other section is um, top of legs to rest of body up to head. And that just feels weird. It feels bad to me to be like um, sort of sectioned in that
2: way. (laughs) Right.
5: It sounds so (laughs) insane to elaborate.
2: (laughs) It does a little bit. (laughs) But it makes sense. I mean, at this point, jeans are like a long lost memory. I don't think I've yeah, actually like successfully put on <laughs> <laughs> a pair of pants. I also was going through your Twitter again. You know, you not active. The joy of you not being that active on Twitter is that you know the gems. The gems are there, but you have to mine for them.
5: Mm. One <laughs> of what
2: if, uh, this would, felt like prophetic, which was that you were googling sexy sweatpants. Um, that was, <laughs> and mostly I'm just like I would. That feels like if you didn't find it by this year, there's really no hope.
5: Yeah, yeah. I uh, and you know what? I'm I'm still on that quest because I feel like there are so many companies now and and clothing brands that are really like doing the whole work work from home. Loungewear wear and really making it sexy and like yeah, you know, professional, which is cool to see.
2: I think the problem is now we're all just kind of winnie the pooing everything where it's like we're it's just tops only. <laughs> you just everybody yeah. you're just kind of assuming everybody is pantsless somewhere yeah. down there.
5: Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, wearing the absolute loosest possible piece of fabric right. they can wear. <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> Just full kind of potato sack, like that blanket amazing. FDR. Yeah. Oh, hearing muffled voices in the next room.
5: I mean, this plays into the, the whole rhythmic sound thing. Mm-hmm. I, um, I do feel that I have misophonia, which is, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but it is, a, a hatred of particular sounds. Like they, they, they elicit like um, either an angry response or a sort of like, I got to get out of this room. Like a lot of people for a lot of people, like pe- the sounds of people eating is a, is a real like mm-hmm. uh, misophonia thing for them. But for me, it's, it's hearing muffled noises from another room. Like for the, the teacher and Charlie Brown, I can't bear right. it. I can't bear it. Cause I'm not going to be able to stop listening for this voice. And I need to know what this voice is saying. Like either right. I need to like fully hear what it's saying, or it just needs to be totally quiet. I, the in between, I can't handle. Um, so that's what that was. Yeah,
2: saying. that sounds like. I mean, I think that that is the 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 scientific word for what I've been dealing with. I feel, I feel like I just got diagnosed.
5: I if you do yourself a favor and Google misophonia, and you will you will feel so um, comforted. You're not right, alone. Right.
2: Another item I was curious about, are you, are you pro escape room?
5: Yes. A- adamantly. <laughs>
2: so
5: <laughs> I adore them. I,
2: love I them. feel like that is a controversial take. Are, are you, I I haven't met many people who have been like adamantly, let's go to an escape room. This will be the most fun.
5: I'm shocked. I'm shocked to hear that. I really am. Cause I, they, they are a true um, highlight in my life. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> I love them so much. Uh, Clea and I actually do a ton of them together um, with our partners, and it is uh, it's some of the most fun we've ever had. I mean, we've done well over a 100. Um, oh, my God. We did every single one we could in the Pittsburgh area when we were shooting Happiest Season. It's just such a rush and i love like it just feels so good on your brain to like be solving puzzles and to do so in an urgent manner uh-huh it's so fun <laughs> it's like it's uh the teamwork the the like Intellectual challenge—the it's just really, really fun. I love it so much, and I'm I'm devastated to hear so many people do not have that experience of that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, before we let you go, people can obviously find Happiest Season. It'll be out on Hulu by the time they hear this. And where can they find you and your your work?
5: I'm I'm very active on Instagram. Not so mm-hmm. active on Twitter, but very active on Instagram. Um, my handle is Mary Hollandays and you can find me there and I, I post about things that I'm doing or shows I'm doing or um, uh, all, the, all that info you can find there.
2: All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier, starting with two better white people, where we highlight some anti-racism resources and other actions we could take to make the world a little bit better. Barry, what do we highlight in this week?
3: All right. We are highlighting something about anti-Semitism, because anti-Semitism, and I'm specifically bringing up because Itanika, I'm Jewish. I don't talk about this a lot on the pod, but um, there's been a rise in anti-Semitic attacks, uh, and specifically last week in Idaho, there were swastikas with signs saying "We are everywhere" put on the Anne Frank statue, which just is upsetting. There have been more physical attacks and violence against Jews in America and around the world um, in recently. And I just wanted to talk a second about what is called Ashkenormativity, which is that in America, the majority of Jews here are Ashkenazi. That's what I am. Um, it means that we are Eastern European. And a lot of times in America, when we like refer to Jews and like Jewish culture, the image is of Eastern European Jews. It's of, you know, babka and bagels and stuff like that. It's Yiddish. But there's a whole lot of other Jews in the world and in America. There are a lot of Jews of color. There's other Jewish languages. There's Ladino, which is a mix of Spanish and Hebrew. There's a lot of different foods. There's sabih, which is like my favorite sandwich in the world, which is an Iraqi Jewish sandwich. So there are all these different cultures based on ethnic subdivisions of Judaism. There's Sephardic, Mizrahi. And it's not something that's talked about a lot in in the main culture. Um, And I wanted to like highlight a few of my favorite Jewish advocates um, and just like amazing Jews who I follow on Instagram. One, I know Matt, you probably follow him too, is Adam Eli. Um, He is a queer Ashkenazi Jew. Yasmin Dreams and then Roots Medals are two other women who I follow, who I really love. And yeah, so like in light of... I mean, Hanukkah is all about like overcoming destruction of culture and Jewish culture. And so in light of those acts, I wanted to highlight some great Jewish culture and just kind of bring that up because a lot of people just don't know. Also, there's the USPS Operation Santa, which is something I've wanted to be involved in. I've like donated to my friends who are doing it, but I decided this year I'm going to do it too. So you can adopt a letter Buy presents for kids, especially in such a difficult year like this year. If you have the means and are able to do it, it's going to make families really, really happy and make their holiday seasons better. And you're supporting the USPS while you do it. So we'll have links to all those great Jews in our show notes and also USPS Operation Santa.
2: Amazing. All right. Let's get into the TV we've been watching this week. Barry, what you've been watching?
3: Oh my gosh. I've been watching Big Mouth season four, which it might be my favorite season so far. I mean, they have brought on so many of my favorite comedians a lot of past guest complainers a lot of hopefully future guest complainers and also the voices like Mitra Jahari both wrote on it and is a voice in it it's so funny it's so good it's so disgusting (laughs) Um, I'm just really loving it so yeah that's what I've been watching this week with my sister and we have one episode left which makes me sad
2: what about you I um, finished all of Killing Eve in the past week. Ooh, three seasons. They're all on Hulu. I mean, it's it's the show is a little bit older at this point, but the third season came out earlier this year. Yeah, not too um, long ago. The third season not as not as like fast paced as the f- the first two, but I still will watch Sandra Oh do anything. Yeah. And the other one is uh, The Flight Attendant. Have you watched any of that?
3: No, I've read a little bit about it, but I haven't watched it.
2: I love it so much. Really? It's with Kaylee Cuoco and Zosha Mamet. And they're both like so good in it. Also, Michael Huisman. I don't know how you actually say his name. He was in Game of Thrones. He played the like hot piece that Daenerys had in the like Pyramid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's very attractive. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He plays basically someone gets murdered in episode one and the flight attendant is Kaylee Cuoco, who like wakes up in bed with a murdered person and is like, "Uh oh, what happened? And the whole thing is her trying to like piece the night together and figure out what happened. It's like very much like the tone of search party, um, like a little bit funny, but a little bit dark. That's
3: coming back too soon, which I'm excited about. I can't believe it.
2: Yeah, I I, I just love it so much. Yeah. I, I love like the tone of it. I love the content. It's like fun. The old, my only complaint is that it is like a week to week show, Ooh. so I have to wait. Oh,
3: I got to get on it. Yeah.
2: What is your non-TV chaser?
3: My non-TV chaser this week is a beautiful trifecta of music. <laughs> I can't believe that this is happening. Ariana Grande announced that she's coming out with a film from her tour which we saw we went to that tour mm-hmm. chloe and hallie did a tiny desk concert at home that like i i lost count of the amount of full body chills that i had <laughs> like it was just oh and they I had haven't a, watched
2: it yet oh my I'm god so Matt! Excited. it's so good the
3: aesthetic that it's an all women band there's horns there's a cello and their, their voices, they're sitting the whole time. And I'm like, how are you able to produce that sound while just sitting there so casually? And they just love it. And they're having so much fun. Oh, so there's that. And Casey Musgraves and Troye Sivan came out with, I guess it's like a remix of his song, Easy, right. and a music video. And I, love, I loved it. So just, I was like, thank you. And then also, honestly, I... We've talked about this before, I think, on the pod. I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan. Respect the hell out of her as a songwriter and what she does for Mm -hmm. uh, fighting for artists and all that stuff. I just don't really listen to her music all that much. Folklore was more my jam. And then she just announced she's coming out with an album. I guess by the time this episode comes out, it will have come out. And she has, like, Haim and the national and boney vera and like all these people who were my college radio musicians i listened to back in the day and so i'm excited right. about that too so it's a very it's it's a the music is all holding me down this week it's ma- it holding me down and bringing me up
2: amazing yeah i'm excited to listen to all of those things as well they're
3: so good i'm so oh it's just so fun what about you what's your non tv chaser
2: my chaser is in holiday cookies yeah it's another baked item get used to it okay because this is my life now <laughs> i realize, like i don't know some people are like um oh like i guess i just tweet about my baked goods a lot it's we're in a pandemic still people okay let me just be happy about a cookie <laughs> i anyway I love that it's holiday cookie season. I love that holiday cookies are a thing. It's just like, let's make delicious cookies, but make them as gay and extra as possible. Because (laughs) you're putting together like a box of cookies and every cookie has to stand out. Yeah, You need to make a cookie that someone looks at a box and it's like, I want that one because it is the sexiest one.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Also like cookies, if you're like new to baking... Cookies are like the easiest thing.
3: Oh, yeah. It's a great entry point. Yeah. I made, spe- uh, just to highlight another Jew I love, uh, is Jake Cohen, who's a baker. I know you follow him too. I. Hopefully he will be a guest complainer at some point because I love him so much. I made his chocolate chip cookies this week. I made 25 of them. There are six adults in this house right now. They were gone in less than 24 hours. (laughs) They were so good. And his trick of taking a glass bowl and like swishing around the cookie right after it's baked to make them like a little plump in a perfect circle. Oh, my God. I've I've never felt more professional in my life. I was like, "Uh, I I should sell these. But I couldn't because we all ate them so fast.
2: I know. I do love those. I've made those. And I made the there's a cookbook called 100 Cookies Mm -hmm. by Sarah Kiefer um, that I really like. It just came out. And she has these Neapolitan cookies that are like strawberry chocolate and um, regular sugar cookie. And they're like pretty easy to make, but they look so perfect. They looked beautiful. (laughs) And I was like so proud of it and afterwards I was like, I did kind of just like smash cookie dough like regular cookie dough together. It's not that hard, but I was like so impressed with the result that yeah. I was like I have to brag about these. Anyway, I just I love a cookie love and I love cookie. making a cookie. It's very therapeutic and easy. and then you get to eat the results. you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt LSI. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hans Su. You can bother Barry at Binkleberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Bellisai. You can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. You can leave a voicemail on our rant hotline at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. <laughs> and I want to laugh at Christmas. They are in and truly an awful rendition.
1: <laughs>
3: Mariah would be proud.
2: <laughs> uh...